We have a, a little handout that we'd like to give you. It's for the weekend to remember. And I'm going by memory, but I believe it's November 11th through the 12th. 9th through the 11th, sorry. So we will get that to you, but I just wanted to get a little something into your hand. I do know that it's going to be at the uh, Detroit Marriott at the Renaissance Center in Detroit. And so I, we believe that's November 9th through the 11th. We'll go ahead and get that uh, to you and uh, have more about signing up for that. We do get a little bit of a discount, $100 per couple. So I, that, uh, that brings it down. So we'll get the cost, nail down a date for you and all that. And we'd like for as many of you couples to go. I have never been to a weekend to remember, but I've heard a lot of good things about them. So I definitely would like to go and it's right in our backyard. Uh, we should have a good time. So just want to encourage everybody to, uh, try to make that, uh, if you can. Just to kind of reiterate, uh, last week, it's a little bit uh, difficult because we do have a larger group. Uh, this series is designed for to have small groups in it. Obviously, we're not able to have a small group, so we have uh, a big group. And in participating with the questions at the end, it makes it a little bit tougher, especially uh, last week uh, we had a, a tougher subject on intimacy, so sometimes it's uh, difficult for us to open up on that. Um, so we are going to... Again, we're looking to move to the uh, fall. We're going to meet on Sunday nights, the nights that we don't have community groups, so we're going to be doing that. But I thought, I don't know, you can give testimony when we open it up for questions, and maybe you can just kind of give some of your feedback on the material that we've been going through. I I thought the material was excellent. Uh, My wife and I, we uh, prepared for it uh, together, and we'd watch the, uh, the video, and then we would walk through the questions. And I just thought it was very helpful. I just thought it was very good information. Uh, it definitely gives you the basics uh, for marriage. I believe that if you go through the book, um, that you will uh, definitely improve your marriage. And it gives you uh, things that you can kind of look back on as well, like communication. Uh, obviously, that's a big area of uh, between our uh, our spouses. So we need to make sure that um, you know we're going back there. I mean, we can say, hey, we've got this down, and the next thing you know, you have a big fight. <laughs> and it's like everything that you learn, it was just like throw it out the window. So uh, anyway, I believe that this book is going to be a good resource as we move forward. Again, you can watch the, the DVDs on uh, Right Now Media. If you need to learn how to get access to that, just let me know afterwards. We can go ahead and do that. Um, in our first introductory meeting, I handed out a marriage checkup diagnostic. And basically what I did is I went through a number of different areas that in the uh, Partners with Purpose ministry that we would like to cover, uh, like communication, intimacy, parenting, finances, uh, processing life with uh, others. And I was just kind of going through those. And in the communication, uh, I think we went through three out of the four uh, principles for men and women, women to learn connecting daily and weekly, uh, monthly time for each other. And uh, this this book really helps you out on that because they give you date night suggestions and different topics to discuss, uh, learning about each other personally. So going through these questions is really definitely going to help with that. And then resolving conflict with each other. I just thought the information there was good. Uh, last week we talked about intimacy, and I think we covered just about everything, what the scriptures say about uh, intimacy, 
uh, making the time for intimacy and understanding typical areas of difficulty for couples. And I mentioned about the, the, the cold war that we get involved in because, you know, my spouse is withholding uh, the needs that I want met. And so that in turn makes my spouse um, withhold uh, my needs being met. And we get into this cycle, this downward spiral that we get into. And uh, it's very destructive. And unless we really recognize it um, and make changes and be able to talk with one another, talk through it, uh, it, it continues to be destructive. And I will tell you that I've talked with people where it has gone on for literally for years and it will zap, you know, the certainly the feelings that you have for one another out of your marriage if we continue to uh, um, uh, participate in that. And then uh, in intimacy, setting hedges around your marriage. I'll just say one thing, and I've said it before, is just, you know, with Facebook, we have a Facebook page uh, for our church. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Facebook. I'm just saying build a hedge around it. Watch who you enter, interact with. I heard a statistic probably three years ago that said, and this is from a secular source, this wasn't from a Christian source, that said that 40% of all marriages mention uh, Facebook as a contributing factor to the divorce. 40%, that was three years ago. So again, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I am saying have your eyes wide open in who you end up communicating through Facebook. So parenting, we're going to go through a parenting series uh, this coming fall. The following fall, we're going to go through Financial Peace University. So we'll have covered a lot of the areas um, on our initial sheet that we wanted to go through. So hopefully you're finding this beneficial. If at any time you feel like, hey, there's something missing or we need to do something else or whatever, just let me know. Let's talk about it and see what we can do to um, accommodate that. Uh, last week was certainly, um, I would say, our, our tougher subject to go through with uh, intimacy. Again, it's a large group, so it makes it, it makes it very uh, difficult. But I just want to kind of emphasize just a couple of points uh, because they're important, and then we will uh, go to our, uh, our next session. But uh, our first point was um, uh, Christians are not to sexually deprive their spouses on either side. So uh, our passage in... Uh, First Corinthians was very clear that we do not do that, but that is something that we discuss. You know, it's not, you know, what other couples are doing. You need to sit down and you need to be able to work through those areas yourself and letting and being honest with your spouse. Again, the one couple, the fella thought his wife could just read his mind. You know, this is, this is my need. This is what I would like right now, but he didn't want to communicate it to her. And then she's just like, I didn't have a clue. You know, and again, it's just very simple to, to be able to uh, to go that. Secondly, I, and this is primarily to the husbands, I said that, um, you know, those verses is not your ticket or your license to demand sex from your wife at any time you want it. No, that's not the case at all. We need to be able to discuss this uh, between each other. And then I said uh, also that we're all responsible to um, uh, practice self-control sexually in our lives in First uh, Thessalonians 4, Verses 3 through 4. I mean, we're all commanded to practice self-control in our lives. So, again, these are sometimes these are some tough areas to talk about, even just between spouses. But it's such an important area. I just really want to encourage you to spend time here. 
I've seen too many problems through the years, and a lot of the roots come back right here. So anyway, enough of that. So with that, we're going to go ahead and have our last session, which is Love Always, Leaving a Lasting Legacy. We'll go ahead and have a few questions on that, and if you had any other comments that you wanted to make at that particular time, that would be great. And this is obviously our last week doing it, so we'll be giving you more information on when we'll be starting up uh, later in the fall on Sunday nights. As we start this final session of The Art of Marriage, I want to challenge you to be thinking about two things. First, be thinking about your marriage and how the decisions you make today will impact your children, your children's children, and the generations to come. In addition, I want you to be thinking about becoming a home builder. No, not a general contractor who builds houses, but someone who reaches out to other couples and other families in your own sphere of influence to help them build stronger, healthier, more godly homes. At Family Life, we've been hard at work creating compelling, innovative tools like the art of marriage to help you reach out and bring help and hope to couples you know. At our website, you're going to find a variety of resources we put together just for you. The best-selling series of small group Bible studies on marriage and family, video resources for churches to use, and other tools we've developed to help you help others. At our website, you can also learn more about our two-and-a-half-day marriage getaways for couples called the Weekend to Remember. We host these live events in dozens of cities all around the country. The Weekend to Remember would be a great follow-up event for you to attend and a great event for you to invite others to attend with you. Now, this final session is all about the legacy you'll leave to future generations. I want to challenge you to make bringing help and hope to others a part of the legacy you leave. We've been married 53 years. Uh, We have four children and six grandchildren. And... uh, we're just enjoying life now. We've been married for 37 years, and we dated four years before we got married. We just fell in love. Uh, I was into sports, and... Uh, I was not. She was into books. And we've been married 38 years. Uh, I always date. loved him. He had dogs at times, I think. Today is as tough as it might seem. It wasn't a, an easy road years ago either. It was a it was a tough road, and it's it's not easy for two people uh, to come together and and share and find common ground. The honeymoon stage goes by very quickly. And you have to accept that, that you're not going to have the honeymoon stage all your life, even through the good and bad times. Because in a relationship before the marriage, you have good and bad times. Yes, everybody has them, I suspect. This isn't a perfect world. And and there are differences that have come up where they were serious enough to where uh, you had to think again as to whether this was a, whether this really was a mistake or not. 
when we first got married and, and got in the ministry, and I wasn't used to just him just leaving me all the time and whatever, and I had a baby like a year and a half. I understood he had a job, but he also had a lot of things he liked to do. And I was always with the kids, and he was always doing his things. So I felt alone, very alone. And when you have four babies, um, you feel like you're losing it. One morning, I said, no, uh-uh. If, if God like this, I don't want no part. I can remember a time that I just, I didn't pack my bags, but I just left because I didn't want to have any more confrontation. I remember that to the day I died. And that gave me time to think while she was gone and, and to think about being being without her. And, and after a while, you're, you work as like the fingers on a hand, you're, you're one person. And when she was gone, I, I felt, I felt real lonely and I didn't want that, I didn't want that feeling. Our marriage is really, really hard to, to do. And there came a time in life where I was losing it. And um, he stepped up to the plate, took care of me and I guess it just brought us together. I think the thing that really makes our marriage work is the fact that we know that we're in this thing until death do us part. Yeah. God brings you together sometimes in a special way, even though you look like you're not made for each other. Uh, we had friends that told us it's never going to last. You're too opposite. <laughs> We do anything to stay together. I believe in family. He believes in family. You know, and like I said, you work at it. You know, just can't give up. If I could do it all over again, I would. There's, there's nothing I would change. I would I would say uh, deep love is is the one thing that has kept us together. I think that's, that's it for me, too. It's unconditional love. No matter what, good or bad. We're in it forever. remember the day that my four-year-old came in and asked me, what is divorce? I was part of a family and part of a family where for the last several generations, there has been serial dysfunction. The last two generations, both sides of our family, my wife Bridget and I both, um, there have been 25 marriages and 22 divorces. I'm afraid we're going to have a generation of people who at the end of their lives look back at a fork in the road where they headed toward isolation and loneliness and a loss of hope because they didn't stick it out when it got tough. If you look at my first cousins and, and I, I think there are about 25 or so of us, there's one besides me who's currently living with, married to and living with his spouse. One. And what does it do to children 
when we're saying to them, Jesus loves his church and will never leave his church, when they see the image of that being ripped apart every single day in the pews around them or in the culture around them. For us, though, what had to happen is there had to be a stake-in-the-ground moment. There had to be an understanding of where we've come from, how we've gotten here, and a determination that we don't continue that legacy. I think one of the greatest gifts you can really give to the next generation uh, is faithfulness and fidelity in, in, in marriage. Um, and I received that from my father, uh, which is a gift that uh, many are not able to, to receive. Uh, my parents, this July, are going to celebrate their 50th anniversary and uh, the golden anniversary. And to get to a golden anniversary means you've had to work through a lot of small problems and you had to trust the Lord through a lot of huge problems. Our marriage is not just about us. Our marriage is a picture of the gospel for a watching world. Uh, our marriage is uh, the central glue as an institution that is holding civilization together. I'm just telling you, it's, it's one of those things, it's one of the most powerful witnesses to who God is and to the gospel to see a marriage not just functioning but thriving. What we know is this. We've seen the result of that other road, and we're not traveling that way. Well, your legacy is all you got. They're going to forget your name. They're not going to visit your tombstone. Nobody cares. But if my son and my daughters love Jesus Christ, and they tell their children to love Jesus Christ, then I think you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. The biblical conception of uh, of couples' responsibility is transhistorical, transgenerational. It's looking to the future. The Bible talks about blessings to a thousand generations. Uh, if we do what we do faithfully, if we live up to the challenges we are given as a Christian couple, as a husband and wife and a mother and a father, then there will be generations we will never see nor imagine nor know about uh, that will that will have lives qualitatively and quantitatively better because of what we do right now with our children, those children with our grandchildren, our grandchildren with our great-grandchildren. That means we build a legacy. That means we make decisions not based just on the short term nor on the long term. People think long term means retirement in this society. The long term is your progeny, your descendants. You are, this is amazing, you are ancestors to someone yet to come. If you live life knowing you're an ancestor, that'll change the way you make your decisions, the way you live your life, the way you love your wife. That's a tough question. Um, <laughs> I would hope that they wouldn't say that something like I was selfish or anything like that. They wish I would have gotten, I'd met all my deadlines. <laughs> I hope they'd say something nice, <laughs> like that I was a good friend to them, that I was a very happy person and that I hope that I made a lot of people laugh. I had a sense of humor about life. Say something. <laughs> <laughs>
they would say that I was a, a good parent. He discovered love. That I, I guess that I was always there for the people who I cared about. The one thing that I would regret if I died tomorrow was not having been here long enough. Did you see that pass away? That I probably want money. <laughs> I want my family to be able to say I'm glad she came. Most places in the world have four seasons. In Florida, there are only two. A few weeks winter, followed by a long stretch of sunshine. The Bible says there's a season for everything. 30 years ago, when I was in law enforcement, there was one season that marked my life forever. Christy, I'm going to be 10-7 on Pine Grove Drive. <laughs> you just ain't sitting at a desk, don't you, Mark? You're just jealous. Uh, yes, ma'am. Everything's fine. Just uh, enjoying the shade here while filling out some reports. Hope that's all right. Oh, of course it is. Our shade is your shade. I'm Ellie White. And that young man over there mm -hmm. is my husband, Rick. Nice to meet you, Mrs. White. I didn't catch your name. 
It's Deputy Fisherman. Debbie Fisherman. <laughs> Deputy Fisher, ma'am. Ah, Fisher. Mm -hmm. That's a fine name. <laughs> you have a blessed afternoon, Deputy. You too. Everything all right? Oh, yes. <laughs> he was looking just to get out of the sun. Not a bad idea for us, too. <laughs> Don't worry. I didn't tell him that you were burying dead bodies out here. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just saying which is most beautiful, hmm? No. Hands down, you are. <laughs> Dead body. <laughs> I didn't mean to startle you. Oh, it's all right. I was, I was just concentrating. I didn't We're see just you. returning from a most pleasant walk. Ah. Haven't seen you around here for some time. Well, business has been kind of slow. Well, that's good. But <laughs> even if it's slow, you still take risks for us. We appreciate what you do for us, too. Thank you, ma'am. We pray for you, you know, just like we pray mm. for all our friends. That's how much good that does. Well, I'm going in to fix some lemonade. All right. Would you like some? Oh, um, no, ma'am, I'm okay. I insist. I'll be right back. All right. Good morning, young man. I'm Rick. Nice to meet you. I'm Mark Fisher. You uh, certainly have a beautiful garden and a, a beautiful wife. Well, thank you. Uh, that garden mm -hmm. takes a lot of hard work. Yeah. But life with Ellie, that's hardly any work at all. Huh. You know, coming up on 61 years in June, bet you thought we were newlyweds, didn't you? I spent a lot of afternoons on Pine Grove Drive. Funny thing was, I started looking forward to seeing Rick and Ellie near the end of my shift. That same shady spot. Day after day. And after three years of lemonade, homemade cookies, and conversation, I started to feel, well, almost like family. I was invited to birthdays, special occasions, even their 63rd wedding anniversary. Wasn't it great seeing Marsha meeting her new boyfriend tonight? 
Well, I think they look very sweet together. Oh, I do too. Just like another couple I know. Go and make us some tea. You know what, honey? We have the paper. I'm going to sit a bit and catch my breath, huh? Just having a little trouble breathing, that's all. Do you want me to call the doctor? No. No. No, I'm going to be just fine. All the same, I think I'm going to call Dr. Curtis. Don't go, huh? Ellie, you come sit here next to me, okay? You know, Ellie... In all these years together, I have never, ever stopped loving you. And I love you more today than all the days gone by, but God's calling me home. Oh, no. But we'll be together again hmm? soon. Well, I'll, be, I'll be waiting for you, Ellie. I love you. (laughs) 
Seven stay slow down, okay? Can I get a confirmation on that address? That's 373 Pine Grove Drive. Do you copy? Copy that. And talked about who would go first, but I never thought. As we sat there, he looked so young. His face. I know I'll see him again. So much has changed since Rick's passing. Ellie lived into her 90s before she died. There's a parking lot now where their house used to be. And the garden has long since withered and gone. I left law enforcement, moved north, and eventually married. But I've never forgotten Rick and Ellie. Never forgot the way they held hands and looked at each other. The way they lived loved and the way they finished the race and kept the faith together their legacy of love lives on through my wife and me and our nearly 30 years of marriage I think about seeing them again this couple that marked my life forever Sorry, guys, I should have warned you. <laughs> it's nothing worse than being out in public and got a sad storyline and, you know. All right. I'm all right. <clears throat> although, although, don't miss the point of that. And I think in some respects we've seen it before um, with other people. They can look at something like that and go, that was a little corny. Or do things really happen that way? Um, don't miss the point of it that the point is much bigger, meaning the ripple effect of that relationship and what it had, not just between the two of them and not just with their children and their family, but with somebody who was at one point a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. So the impact that was that was had. And I think that leads right into a question two, which is who is affected by your marriage? And I think that, you know, the obvious is, you know, our children are, but really... The ripples of our marriage, you know, go well beyond our, our children, you know, certainly church, family, and that. So um, that's our question. Who's affected by your marriage? 
Any Any guesses? Anybody? Any thoughts on how your marriage affects other people? say um, being the first one that I know of in my family to really truly know who Jesus Christ is he's already started a large uh, change in, in my family tree um, with Benjamin and my wife Kim um, knowing that God is the center of this that he has opened it wide open to all different kind of things and different legacies that he will be glorified with through me Mm-hmm. You know, as a husband, as a, you know, a family member, and, and my brother Joe following um, as another believer in the family, mostly predominantly a Catholic family. So God has really um, opened it up, and uh, knowing that He is the Creator of the universe, He's got some great things planned for us, and uh, the legacy um, ultimately is His. Amen. Any other thoughts? the whole church as well if one marriage is having um, a problem even though certain people in the church may not understand they may not know what's going on with the family it's still affecting the fellowship Mm -hmm. um, in the entire congregation so if you think about it in the broader terms of the church body one marriage having problems is a big deal yeah absolutely good point somebody in the back Hopefully, our marriage affects our children and how they see marriage. And if they see our marriage being loving and working out fights, I mean, we all argue. We all fight. But it's always important to make sure that your children see the makeup of the fight and the admitting when you're wrong just so they can grow up and have a healthy marriage themselves. Um a lot of times in the beginning of our marriage, we'd always fight. And then later on, you know, after the kids are to bed, we'd talk it out. And I'd, I'd say, you know, we're raising three boys. These these boys are all going to look at us and how we act, and they're going to grow up and do the same. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that when you do have an argument as a married couple, to always show how to behave as a married couple mm-hmm. in a godly way to your children. Very good. To that point, um, Janice, it's 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 hard to understand and find that fine line of balance with doing that because sometimes in the heat of the moment we're heated, (laughs) 
you know, finding that balance. But I can tell you that I just recently walked through a season with a friend. And one thing she learned and she confessed, she said, you know what, going through this, I have realized I never, ever saw my parents disagree. They never showed any of that to me. Consequently, growing up in a Christian home, though, I never learned how to truly, biblically resolve conflict. So that's caused huge conflict within my own marriage and even interpersonally with other people because I never saw it practiced in my own home. I never saw it played out. It was as if there really wasn't conflict. So I wasn't able to apply biblical principle to resolving conflict. So it's a very valid point that the fine line is finding out, you know, where we can do that to show that example to our kids. And like you said, being able to admit to them, hey, I was wrong in the way I handled this, et cetera. It's an, it's an excellent point within the family structure. And then as Rhoda Jane said, it affects churches. I can tell you that it affects um, people that you don't always realize, people that you work with because they see it, and, and there are times where maybe if you've had a spat with your spouse or you're upset about something, you, you don't think you're carrying it around with you, but you really usually are, <laughs> you know, and so they can see that. Or if you're the person who really does show it, you know, you're really showing it. And if you're the person who really shows it, you're generally the person who really talks about it. So they hear about it, too. <laughs> but our, our coworkers are looking at us, and if they know that we claim to be Christians— they're really looking at us in a different light. They really are. I've seen it time and time again, and it's a huge time to be able to testify to God's grace. Mm-hmm. Very good. Any others? And certainly, you know, with this couple here that we saw, I mean, what a, a lasting impact that that can have, you know, within the body of Christ where they can see, you know, this marriage being modeled in front of them and how they, you know, how they treat one another. It's a great opportunity, um, kind of what you're talking about too, Glenn, of being able to, you know, open up and talk about, you know, why is your marriage the way that it is? I mean, it's not like we can say, hey, you know, it's just, you know, you got it, you got it, or I read this book, you know, no, our marriage is governed by God. You know, because he's our primary relationship. And so his word says this, so it's helped me in this way. So it's a great opportunity to be able to convey that to unbelievers, also within the body of Christ. I mean, as we start to mature in our marriages, we need to be able to invest in, in younger marriages within the church. Because it's difficult. That All those couples up there admitted at some point early on that their marriages weren't the way that they are now. So there's a maturing process that, that we all go through. And uh, so we need to realize that. So when we do get to the point where we do have something that we need to, we need to be able to invest in, in other marriages uh, within the church and outside the church. Sorry. I just had a minor critique with the, the drama portion of that. It, it seemed to undo the reality of those first few couples and their testimonies of how hard it is, how marriage is uh, a relationship that keeps, you know, requires mm-hmm. work. The drama seemed to sensationalize it as though there's a point at which it no longer becomes hard. And granted, I've only been married. 16 years? Yeah. Um, 
but being married and working on this relationship is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I don't know that it's going to get to the point this side of eternity where I'm not going to have difficulties with any with with the relationships that I have in my life. Mm-hmm. So my fear is that some of us will see that video and look at that as the goal of never having conflict in our relationships. And then if we don't see that come to fruition, we'll get discouraged and and disheartened that sure. something's wrong in my marriage because I'm still having conflict. Right. When we are fighting sin to the very last breath. So there's always going to be conflict and there's always going to it's always going to require effort. It's always going to be uh, needing to focus on others rather than self and we're always going to have to fight ourselves. So I, I just I just wanted to offer that from my perspective. Sure. Just for whatever it's worth. Yeah, and I appreciate what you're saying. You know, there's limited time. They're kind of trying to show uh, in the best case scenario where marriages uh, can uh, can mature into, but we're still sinners, you know, as, as you pointed out, and there's still going to be where there's disagreements. But that disagreement, how we handle our disagreement when we first got married and where you handle it at maybe 16 years or in our case, almost 35 years, uh, it should look a little bit different. And there should be different perspective when we do have disagreements and things that we overlook. So um, I understand your point, but there there should be a maturing process. But we're still sinners, and we still need to be aware of, of that fact. So, In the same way that we grow in Christ-likeness, our marriages should be growing in Christ-likeness. So it's never... You know, we're never going to reach that full place, this side of heaven, as you stated. Mm-hmm. But the way we're handling it should hopefully be maturing as well. We should be gleaning more from God's word and being able to apply it, you know, to be changing the way we handle the situations as we're trying to conform our marriages and ourselves to his image. So it's never going to be easy. And our last question is, since we're talking about uh, legacy, what what kind of legacy? And, and you know, to be honest with you, when I uh, before this session, you know, I don't know if I necessarily thought of marriage in the legacy realm. To be honest with you, it's not that um, um, I didn't have any goals or anything like that, or I, I always just envisioned it with maybe different service that we're involved with uh, later on. But you know, I think it's I think it's good to think about. You know, how is it that your marriage impacts others? And, um, you know, goals that you might have for your marriage or that you'd like to be able to share with, uh, you know, with other people or different things you want your kids to know. That's one thing that we've tried to do is we've tried to be transparent with our kids regarding everything. I mean, I'm in sales. I don't have a problem with talking with anybody about anything. And one of the things I just want to be transparent with them because I can't help them if I never talk about, like you said, you know, we never talk about the fights or, or whatever. So... Um, we need to, we need to be able to do that. So what are some of the things that, you know, maybe as you're just kind of formulating your ideas of things that in this legacy realm that you would like to be able to have an impact on others with? I realize that's a, you know, it's a tough question, something to think about, but does anybody have any thoughts on that? I, I remember when I was a kid, my dad would travel a lot for work, and 
every night around like 6.15 or 6, right after dinner, the phone would ring. My mom would say, that's your dad. Hold on. And she'd run and get the phone, and we'd all talk to my dad. And then she'd say, okay, y'all go play. I need to talk to your dad. And then she would, he would always make time for her. And they would, to me, it seemed like they would talk forever on the phone every night. You know, we're like, mom, mom, mom. But now that I have children, like what, what I would like to emulate from that and leave for them is that my father always made time for my mom. Even if he was traveling, he had a busy day. He'd stop in the airport before he got his car. He'd talk to her and she would make time for him, even above us. And like, she'd say, okay, I got to talk to your dad. And I remember I'd hear them like talking or laughing or praying together or whatever. And so what I would like, especially for my kids to see is that like, you know, Jamie and I make time for each other and we, you know, make time for each other for God and that, you know, they, they can wait, you know, while we take, while we take care of each other and then we'll take care of them as well. So I, I would like to kind of leave that same legacy for my kids. Okay. That's excellent. Thank you, Phil. Any others? Okay. Well, we're out of time. <laughs> so it's been a, a pleasure to have you, uh, in this. Um, we look forward to uh, the next steps. We'll uh, uh, definitely communicate that to you when we start to uh, change of what times and what days we'll be meeting in the fall, what we'll be going through. Uh, also, the weekend to remember, we will definitely get off uh, the cost to you and the exact date. I believe it's November 9th through 11th, so we'll definitely get that out to you. So, so anyway, you're dismissed. Thank you.